Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have a guest that traveled to get here. Yeah, he's not too far away. He's over in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I can't remember the name of the little city. Was it like Maryville or Marysville. something? Marysville. Marysville. There we go. This is Charlie Scheider. He is in my accountability group. So I talk with him once a week as part of Wealthy Investor. I'm one of the Wealthy Inventor, Investor Accountability Coaches. Really during those calls, I'm mostly just figuring out what people are doing to find deals, what people are doing to find money, how they're creating processes, and if they're hiring people. Every time I talk to Charlie, he seems stressed out, and he seems stressed out because it seems like he's growing, and he's pushing and grinding and doing all the things that are necessary to grow, so it's really cool. Uh, Charlie's one of the dudes in there who's listening and taking action on things immediately. Uh, really appreciate this dude, and glad that he came into the office today to do a podcast with us. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys, and it's awesome what you guys are doing here, uh, everything you're teaching. And then, yeah, the accountability groups have just been really, really good for me. Um, and your guys' course, it's helping so many people. And also your meetups, helping a ton of people too. So thanks for that. So, Charlie, you are pretty young. You're only mm -hmm. 22. And you probably spent over 22K joining the Mastermind. How much yeah, was the Mastermind yeah, yeah. for you? Uh, it was over 20k but bro nobody your age decides like oh it's a great idea to spend twenty thousand dollars on education yeah yeah how why uh, why did you i mean do that? that's just the the mindset that i've got shifted into that's definitely something two to three years ago when i was in high school uh, i would have never thought i would invest any money in any education after high school um but you know, it's already paid off, just like investing in houses. Um, I think the best investment is in yourself. Even these houses are doing great returns, but, you know, the investment you're putting into yourself is just infinity. So. It looked like you had your GC license and your realtor's license. Um, and so up until up until that point, did you just, like, borrow daddy's money? Or, like, how do you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you get the money to well, join was, the mastermind? Did you have the cash? So, basically, I got out of high school, and uh, I started, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school. Um, and from there, uh, I started working in the trade. So I was an electrician for mm -hmm. IBW, so I was in the union. I did that for three years, but... Uh, I think my second year, I was 19, I bought a triplex, um, and one unit was, like, pretty much gutted. Um, so I bought that, house hacked it, um, got a good loan on it, and uh, fixed it up, everything myself, which I was able to learn. You know, I grew up on a farm, so I was able to learn a lot of trades through that, and then just being in the electrical field, I was able to learn that. So fixed it up, moved into it, um, hit cash flow, paid for my living expenses from day one. So just right there, I knocked off a bunch. And then, I mean, since I've been 12, I grew up on a greenhouse and a farm, so I've been saving money. I never really spent money on anything. Grew up in a small town, so we don't really spend much. And my parents always taught me to save money. So, you know, I got 18. I had a pretty good sum made up, so I bought that one. And then, you know, six months later, I bought another fourplex from that same guy off market. Um, and then from there, I started buying distressed properties, fixing them up living in some of them and and really starting to make a little bit more money to keep putting into properties 
What'd your parents uh, think whenever you're like, all right, I'm going to go spend a bunch of money on this program. What did they say then? Uh, my parents don't really know the program. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, know. he didn't yeah. tell. He didn't no, tell no, about no. what it cost. No. You no, didn't? I haven't, told, I haven't really told anybody about the program. Uh, Charlie Scheider <laughs> spent 20000 $20, plus dollars <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on but a mastermind. It's all, uh, it's all paid off. So. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's made, it's already made that much, so. Mm. Yep. Well, now you can tell your parents about it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so see what it. they say now. What do you think, just out of curiosity, what do you think they would say if they knew how much you spent before you, because, dude, everybody, you know, after yeah. you already achieve it, then yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, obviously that made sense. You know, yeah. you go get a coach, you figure it out. What do you think they would have said before? Well, yeah, so my parents have been awesome, I'd agree, upraising. Uh, they own a business, a greenhouse, so they are a little more business-minded. Yep. Um, so they wouldn't think it's crazy. They'd, they'd probably think the number's a little crazy. Anybody might think that. Um, but what do I think they thought before? Uh, I mean, probably everybody would have thought I'm crazy. <laughs> but we've done some houses, and I think people are starting to see that there is a way to make money that's not working for someone else. So. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, because that's what most people say to us, too, is like, you can go on YouTube, you can get all this information, and like, you know, you can find out all this stuff for free. And information is so readily available. But it's interesting that, well, actually, I'm curious what your thoughts are. What do you think about like, you know, the program versus, let's say, a college? So, I mean, first off, I'd say the program, just for the knowledge base, you can learn most of it on YouTube. I would say anybody can go learn anything on YouTube. Uh, that especially that a college would even teach but i would say the big thing about these types of groups are like the accountability that's tony's doing and the events um networking has made me all the money i've ever made uh just being able to know people is just so much more valuable than everyone takes granted for um but what was your question for the Okay. Yeah, just uh, just I mean, like uh, I feel like whenever people are going to spend money on a program, it's twenty five thousand. Mm -hmm. They're like, dude, that is insane. Yeah, like that's so much money. Then you say, yeah, I spent fifty thousand dollars on college. Oh yeah, that's for yeah, what yeah. one year? No, oh yeah, sure. you know what I mean. Like, and then it's not a big deal because it's so socially acceptable. Yeah. So I just want to know what you thought was the differences, like the main differences and the values and just your general thoughts about it. Yeah, so I was going to go to college uh, for like an ag degree or something, ag business, and, you know, see where that led me. But it's crazy that you can go get, anybody can go get a loan for college for 200 grand and, and pay low interest and the government's giving that out. But then, you know, it's real difficult to go go buy a house and, and fix it up and make twice as much as what you bought it for. Um, so just investing in the program versus college, uh, that would be something that the person should figure out if they're if they're going to take that course and actually put it into to play. But I mean, a lot of these these kids are getting college paid for by their parents, and that's mm -hmm. what their parents believe in. Um, so I think definitely if you can figure out a way to put it into a course or something that you're actually interested in, I think if you actually have a passion for it, you're going to do a lot more than anything you're going to go to college for unless you have a passion for that then and that's cool but if you don't then i would definitely figure out what you want to do or what you think seems cool and what you'd actually work for and then put that in because if you actually have a passion for it, it's going to return 100 percent more than something you don't mm -hmm. yeah i think the uh, wealthy investor isn't so much uh, implementation, which is like an area where I still feel like it's lacking a little bit. Like nobody's going to do anything for you 
However, you do have a lot of people who are in the same exact business as you, solving the same exact problems that you're having. And so you have these guys who are specialists, like Dakota's a sales specialist. I feel like I'm good at figuring out just base principles, you know, like the one, two, three main things that you should be focusing on and figuring out how to just do niche problem solving so that, you know, you've, you've taken action on all of the things that I've told you to do. And like in a really short period of time, you've started to scale your business already. Like you've already seen it happening. Yeah. And I mean, through the program, you, you get to see all these businesses and, and you get to learn from the business and implement what you think you can implement into your business. And then I think just getting that 1% better every day and implementing one thing a week is just going to totally change the game for you. Um, and being in this group has just let me see all these guys doing way more than I knew was even possible. Uh, I thought I was, that was something doing one house a year. And then you realize that, you know, you should be doing a lot of deals every, every week. So that's something I'm shooting for. That's the biggest thing that we found too, is that like, it helps put in perspective that no matter how big you are, you're not that big. Cause there's somebody doing a lot more. And then also it helps you put into perspective, especially when you're in a small town, like we're in yeah, the Midwest, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. you do one flip a year, you make 60, 50, doesn't matter. You make $50,000. People are like, Holy crap, that's more than I've ever made in an entire year. And you did yeah. on one property. So then like you go, you know, somewhere else where they're doing that many and you're like, wow, this really puts into perspective about what's possible. But what do you think is the difference? Because obviously there's other people that go into wealthy investor who don't do well, who don't succeed. Same mm-hmm. thing with college. There's people who go spend all this money, get the education. They know everything, but then they don't do anything with it. So what do you think is the difference between you and all the other people that join the program and then haven't done anything with it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm doing anything great, but definitely something I'm working on improving is is getting that focus down. I think that was a big bottleneck for me is you can you can get into programs like this and go 20 different ways. Mm-hmm. Like like Ryan's put so many different courses in here now, which is awesome. But one thing you got to focus on is is building up your business or that part of your business that you need to do to get to the next step. Because I think there's a lot of different steps in businesses. And if you, you try and build a bunch of different bridges, which is what I've done in, a lot in the past, um, you're just not really going to get anywhere. You're going to have a bunch of half built bridges, but if you can get one bridge built then you can just keep applying from that, like getting the 1% better every day that, that just, uh, that multiplies. So, mm. yeah, that was kind of funny. Cause it, w- it sounds similar to something that, uh, some bad advice that was out there. Like Ty Lopez was like, you need eight different streams of income. And then a lot of younger people, there was a, a dad who brought his son and was like, tell him that he only needs one business. And we were kind of like, yeah, I mean, you if you can get multiple streams of income going, great. For the most part, it makes sense to create a good foundation mm-hmm. and like scale your existing business. And then as you see needs, because once you get into a field, you start to experience problems and you're like, wow, I could fix that just with this one thing. I feel like that's when you start to create those additional sources of income. It's just when you're like, hey, uh, people are taking us out to lunch and want to learn about real estate. We should probably just create a course so we can yeah. send that to them and just be like, hey, this is nine to 10 hours of what we know instead of like an hour over lunch while we're eating, talking about family and stuff like that too. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And then, yeah, just like, I know you guys are part of Ed Milet and Annie Frisell's group, Arte. And then they always say like, you need to start with that one income and and the other ones will come. They own a ton of different businesses, but you know, they grinded on one for, for a long time. 
Uh, and once you have one foundation good, you start building connections, and that's just going to branch off. And you guys have seen it. You guys are killing it. So you're getting a bunch of different offers from everybody. So pretty great. We've got a lot of people in the Fort Wayne RIA who haven't done their first deal yet. Like they've been coming to our meetings. Um, you know, we've had like five or six meetings now at this point. And so you're a lot closer to your first deal. We, we still remember our first deal, but we're not as close like mentally and emotionally to it. Uh, you seem a little bit different from most people because you jumped in super young. Do you remember feeling uh, doubts, like if it was actually going to work or what happens yeah. if you lose money? Yeah. You know, did you consider so all was, of the downside? I was so young then and, and wasn't married that <laughs> and it was a great deal that I bought the first one. But um, you say wasn't married? I was he's not married. Yeah, already. Yeah, married nice. He's married married got all the stuff. Charlie's a grown ass adult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, my first deal, it was a really good deal. Uh, I try to think back about the fears that I had. And I think it was mainly just like I'm putting a lot of money in. Um, but luckily, money to that point wasn't like a big part of my life. I was just saving it. Um, so I don't think I had like what the world teaches you already, like just stressing about money. You got all these payments. And I just think of money in a, a different form than, you know, the cash that is not really connected to anything. I think of it more as like energy. So I'm putting this into a property and it's going to grow like crazy. Or I can keep it in the bank and it's going to lose, lose energy every month. Um, especially right now with inflation. But I mean, on that first deal, uh, I was definitely nervous about fixing up the property, but the numbers looked really good, and I just dove in, and, you know, it's been uh, great ever since. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax-delinquent properties is important to direct-to-seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about batch leads is that if you've skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try batch leads today. Walk us, give us more details on that first property. How did you, did you know it was such a great deal when you first got it? And like, how did you know if this is your first deal? Cause so, like what we found is even on our first deal is a great deal. Yeah. We still were like, yeah. I don't know, it's our well, first deal. So I was networking a lot then. Um, I actually met, an, there are many investors in Marysville, um, but I talked to a few that own some properties to learn, uh, which was a big help. But one of them sent out like 50 mailers handwritten, which I thought was like crazy. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. but. Uh, which it was, but he got, he sent it to my dad's uh, buddy of some sort, uh, and he was good with that offer, but then my dad knew that I was interested, um, and he always wanted to invest in real estate when he was young, but, you know, he never pulled the trigger, um, but that guy told me he'd sell me the house for the same price um, if I could get him the money, so I went and got a loan. Um, so in that instance, I knew the 1% rule. It was full of bigger pockets. So I knew all the, the numbers I had to calculate. Write down the numbers for us. Uh, so it was like, I'm trying to think now. I bought it for 220 Jeez, on your first one? Yeah, triplex. Dang. 220 bucks or? No, <laughs> 220000 Uh It was a triplex. And he wasn't scared. <laughs> they rented. They had the rents pretty low. They hadn't raised them in a while. So one was like... 
800 ones was at 650 still with older older lady um, and then the middle one was getting remodeled and he didn't really have time to finish it and his back was hurting and he had to get surgery so he's getting these two off his plate so it was a perfect setup um, and basically I knew I would make more than the one percent rule on rent um, I knew I could bump the rents up to at least 800 um, so I bought it for 240 fixed up the other unit lived in it it cash flowed probably 100 bucks after even paying for my rent um, on it you got, uh, you got a traditional mortgage yeah so I actually put 20% down which I regret but I got some good equity in that and that that 220 has grown it's worth about 350 right now you got 30 year a 30 year note on that because yeah, you're gonna live in it as your personal home so this is your yeah. first house ever yeah you put 20% down which is freaking crazy how as, much is a, that? As an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old? Mm. You buy for 220 or 240? 220. Okay. Did I say 240? You said two different numbers, but so. <laughs> well, right, the so other one I bought for 340, so I get this. Got it. No worries. So yeah, $44,000. Yeah. And you had that as, how old were you when you bought it? 19. You had that as a 19-year-old sitting in the bank. <laughs> yeah, I did. But how that did, was almost all of it. That <laughs> was almost it. <laughs> how did you get to that point? Because... Okay, so you graduated high school and you just went straight into being a general contractor or straight into no, being a realtor? I was an electrician, straight out of high school. Electrician. So I joined the summer, I got out. Uh, my uncle had told me to go into that. And yeah. I so mean, you're making 50 an hour? No, I was making like 17. 17. I took a pay cut to, from what I was making at the greenhouse because I was running a lot of the greenhouse. Okay. So, so I worked on a farm, which I've. My grandpa died, so I took over like half, like a quarter of the farm. Mm -hmm. So I got that. Um, I so learned about putting money into you something. You it a little bit. Inherited it? Yeah. You said no, that. I didn't get the like land. I just got the farm for this equipment. You just got so. the labor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, so I got, yeah, you could use his tractors and stuff. But I mean, so I learned that you could put seed in the ground and you could return for, for more than you put it in. So, so that was how did you come up with 44000 So I worked since I was like 12, but I just saved that. My whole life. I never really money spent back. money. The only money I spent was cash that I had. So I always went into a bank. I never even really knew I had a bank account until I was like 16. But yeah. So your first deal, you bought for 220000 and you didn't have any fear about it at all and putting down forty four grand. I mean, I had read so many books up to that point that I was like, I was ready to go. And then I heard a lot about people, you know, pulling back and not just getting into what's that called when you just get into like just trying to learn and you're not actually putting anything into action mm -hmm. but i mean i just felt like i had to jump i didn't i like i said that 40 grand i didn't even really think of anything i didn't pay rent at the time so it wasn't like i was needed cash every day and i had a stable job so that's awesome uh, i knew i could sell it for more probably as soon as i fixed up the one so if i ever did have to get out of it I could just sell it did you did you do any sports or anything in high school? Yeah, so I played football and basketball pretty much my whole. Yeah, I think I was gonna play in college, but I said if I didn't get to D one, I wouldn't I wouldn't play. So <laughs> I, I didn't get there. So you were. How did you build so much confidence? Do you think that your parents had something to do with it, or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I had a really good upbringing, like I said, but just being able to to grow up on the farm and and we have a really tight family, so. Just a, I had a great upbringing. I wouldn't change anything on that. But I was always like a captain on our football team. I started varsity when I was like a sophomore. Got all state all three of those years. So I always I'm not a great leader, but I always led by my actions. I was never good at you know bringing people up with me. But I always 
worked harder than everybody else, I'd say. Mm. And I always knew I could. Even if I didn't have the skill, I could always work harder. Mm. I think uh, one thing that uh, I think about there that I've explained to people and I don't think they 100% get is when I think about money, it's interesting that whenever we started the LLC, the money almost felt more fake. Even when it was my money that like lent to the company, it still felt more like uh, monopoly money at that yeah. point. It just felt like it was all hypothetical, made up numbers, and like it I mean, it is all fake in, in yeah, reality. True, it's not backed by anything. Exactly. So that's true. It's just interesting how people have such an emotional attachment, and until you can detach yourself yeah. from the emotions of it, I think it is very difficult. Yeah. I've not seen very many people be able to do that at a young age, especially that early when you're unsure of I stuff. I think the big thing is they do get into that W-2, and if you don't have much saved up, you're you're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I think, like, Kevin O'Leary says, like, a salary is is what is they pay you just enough to, to yep. forget your dreams. Yep. So, I mean, and I've been in that mindset like you got to get out of it but if you're living paycheck to paycheck you can't think oh what can i what can i do to increase this what can i put in this corner to grow without me without me working hourly uh, and i think just getting out of that hourly mindset is something that's that's really impactful so what's the mindset that people should get into in your opinion then instead of that mindset what's a what's the alternative from working hourly yeah um from saving yeah i mean just and using your cash to to grow something what cash though if they don't if they're living paycheck to paycheck they don't have any cash i guess making energy so if you don't have cash you have time and you have commitment so i was working every i mean i didn't go to high school my junior and senior year because i took college classes online because i knew i could work 40 hour weeks if i did that mm. so i didn't go to high school i didn't enjoy i didn't get to like enjoy the the high the junior and senior year where you do nothing in high school which everybody loves um but i wasn't about that uh, even when i didn't invest but uh, you always have something you can either have you can either have cash in the bank or you can have commitment and your time and you can make that work in other areas so like a wholesaler uh, you, a lot of people start in wholesaling if they don't have any money um you can go get a deal by calling a bunch of people and, and locking in that first deal, even if you don't have money. So saying you don't have cash uh, isn't really an excuse because you just need to be working after your job uh, and building up that cash, which you can then put into either yourself by investing in programs or you can put into a house or you can put into a business and, and make it grow. And you're going to lose money and always lose money. We I've lost money in several deals, but I've gained a lot of money in others' deals. And, that's where you learn, I think. So, One main thing that you keep talking about, actually, that I hope people catch this, is that you're educating yourself. You you said, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You said, I read all these books. That's what gave you the confidence. Bigger pockets. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. So that's what gave you the confidence in order to do this stuff. It's, it's amazing how much education, if you know, dude, this makes sense on every math thing that I'm looking at, even when you start to have that doubt, when you start to think, I don't know if this is a good deal or not, you know, based on all of the information, and you can't even convince yourself not to do it at that point, because all the education says this is a deal. And so what is the thing that's holding me back? It's my own fear, it's my own insecurity. So something that it sounds like you've been doing your whole life is educating yourself. So when you didn't have money, when you were working hard, you were still like pushing in other areas to read books, even while you're doing all of this stuff. So oh, yeah, yeah, I and I mean, the whole time I was working that W-2 for like three years, I, I literally was listening to podcasts on the way to work, on the way back to work, during work sometimes, just 
and bigger pockets was a big help i'd always listen to their podcast and they don't just have people doing big things in real estate and just after hearing that so many times there's there's only so many things you can do i mean once you get that bug i feel like it's hard to turn off yeah and i think some people listen for longer than others like tony listened to books about it for what four or five years yeah and then i listened for three and uh maybe it was two i can't remember it's either two or three but either way eventually like it's crazy how we kind of brainwash ourselves like so if you listen to that stuff enough just mm -hmm. like if you're in the program for long enough you like it you can't be in that environment you can't listen to that stuff and then like see all these opportunities it just basically opens your perspective and it's actually more difficult to not do something with the information than it is to do it like you're just it, it literally conflicts with you on the inside like i know that we started feeling that like dude we got to do something with this information we can't just keep learning and i don't know if that's the way you feel you're like dude i gotta do something and then now you already made the decision and then you figured it out have you been thinking about investing in real estate it's not like what you see on hgtv we created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls including negotiations, scripts, role playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. Yeah, I mean, I mean you even still feel that today if you're, not, if you're not improving every day, you feel like you're dying basically if you're not learning more, if you're not doing more every day, I, I feel like I'm doing less, which I get into the trap of, of working more hours will, will give me more benefits, but being more proficient in those hours is is what's going to make you the most return and mm -hmm. just making sure you're organized and the hours you're actually working were there some books that you listened to along the way that you feel like were like pretty impactful books because uh i was listening to uh, i was watching youtube watching elliot hulse every day he said turn your car into a library i got into i think how to win friends and influence people was like the first book mm -hmm. and then one was called be happy and then shortly after that was like dakota is a big fan of Think and Grow Rich. So that was kind of an interesting mind shift sort yeah. of book. Rich Dad Poor Dad, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book I ever read that got me thinking, oh, you can actually, you don't just have to work for money. You can actually put it in places and it will grow. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, your book, what was it? Think, Think and Grow Rich is a really good one. Uh, and then Ed Milet's new book is 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 a lot like that, and then but it actually gives you actionable steps to benefit from that but yeah i definitely think they can grow rich is big just because it's all a mindset and you just have to to get away from what the world has taught you about money and and if you change your reality then you'll ultimately achieve whatever you're looking to do but yeah i think or rich dad poor dad is the other one cash flow quadrants a really good one those have been really good and then all bigger pockets books all brandon turner's like uh, how to manage rental properties that was one of the first books i read once i got that rental property just to make sure i was doing everything myself as a property manager which i've since then added a property manager to the portfolio but nice. uh, without those types of books i don't think i would have been as easy to jump in but that gave me the membership from them and that those books gave me like all the forms i needed so i felt safe felt like I was giving out the right forms, uh, just making sure I had all my T's crossed. You were using uh, some services to do 
some cold calling and that sort of thing, like uh, external services, like a third party. Uh, and then uh, you were hiring some people, and I think I encouraged you to hire some people. What mindset does it take? did it take you in order to be able to shift from that? Because you seem like the kind of person who would rather work hard, do it yourself, make sure that it's done right. Uh, did you have to give up some control in order to put property management in place? Like, what yeah. did that look like? Yeah, I still struggle with that, but yeah, definitely, uh, I guess a property manager would be the one of the first like hires in the business that I did. And just the fact that I could pay them such a small percentage of the rent and not have to deal with all the little things that not only didn't, it didn't, it take a few hours out of my week, but just the stress of, of something happening and somebody calling me, uh, I think ate up more hours than you really think about. Mm -hmm. Um, and through that property manager, I've been able to, to release all that and not really have to worry about it because they're going to get the calls either way. Uh, not that that's ever been an issue, like actually getting the calls, but I think a lot of people think it takes up a lot of space in their head that if you just get that property manager, then you feel a lot better. Um, and then I hired, we hired a project manager for our construction business uh, a while back and he's been really good. Um, we hired two like a year ago and I actually did a really bad job at managing them. Uh, we just put them straight on salary as soon as as <laughs> soon as they got in and I never really had any accountability for anything. So yeah, I failed on those two. Um, but this new one we brought on like nine months ago, he's been really good um, and just been training him being a better leader, making them feel better every day, um, and just making sure that, that we're on the same page is a big thing. Uh, and then my latest two, I've been two VAs, and they've been on, on the off-market side more. Um, and they've been a giant help, saving me a ton of hours every week, um, just like on the social media side, on the off-market side, and just like daily tasks, like invoicing, um, stuff like that that's just saving me a ton of time. I, I just read Dan Martell's book, Buy Back Your Time, and I'd actually just listened to the audible, but it was like a really good book. That's the best book I've read in a couple of years, but he just gives you lots of really good steps of, of dissecting what you're spending your week on and then getting those smaller tasks that don't meet what you're making hourly. If you can figure that out um, and just giving those to, to other people. But definitely my next thing is, is a commission like sales-based person that that can help me grow um, and make sure that they're successful. Because I don't I don't love hourly just because I feel that it's a job. Um, but when I can bring in somebody on that's that's sales-oriented and commission and wants to grow, that's that's when we can really scale. I feel like so. Yeah. So you had your project manager on on uh, salary. Uh, what did you learn in between? you know, moving them from salary to commission? Uh, so, I mean, commission I was 21 based. and they were like 50. So, I mean, they had a lot of, a lot of experience and he was really good, but I wanted to go towards a more investor mindset and, and systems oriented and he was older fashioned and needed to be managed better. And I did not, I didn't have the capacity to even do that. So just creating tasks and accountability for your people is just really big because everyone's going to get uh, mixed up in in the fog of the business but if you have that task sheet and and you're accountable for something uh, then you're going to make sure that gets done so that's definitely something i've been trying to improve on so how did you get into the mindset then 
I see a lot of landlords that are like, dude, why would you give up, you know, what we bring in $70,000. So we give up $7,000 a month in paying property managers. They're like, why would you give up that much money? That's a yeah, ton before, of money. Before maintenance costs, yeah. before repairs, yeah. before, you know, that's it's a flat fee before any of the other, like, minimal stuff that pops up that people will call you in the middle of the night for, like a toilet, you know. So we're paying the property management to answer the phones, but we're, then we're also paying for those repairs and maintenance. So and the markup of it, yeah, too, because, yeah. like, obviously they mark it up whenever they're doing it. But how do you get in the mindset of that? of like shifting from all right i'm gonna do it all myself because i feel like that's definitely very midwest thinking yeah. of like man i gotta save the money save the money mm. how do you get into the other thing like yeah. what made you make that shift so i'm a big numbers guy so i like to think about you know the numbers of the deal so if you're losing seven thousand on that and you know say that's taking up 10 hours of your week or something five or ten uh just getting into the sales side. So I'm a realtor. We do a lot of deals for out-of-state investors, stuff like that. But once I got into the realtor, I saw on a sale I'm making, you know, four times what I was making in one month on just one deal. Uh, so realizing that on one sale you can make so much more than, you know, that $7,000 and just realizing what your time's actually worth and how many deals you can get a week or how much you can manage in a week you just realize numbers wise i can make a lot more than whatever that 10 or 5 hours is going into the management side so just seeing that that's a lower hourly task um realizing that and seeing the numbers that you can produce you see that that would be a waste of time and is ultimately hurting your business so yeah, I like I like what else you said about it too, because like this is a thing that people don't think about that really does take a lot of like mental space. That's what you talked about is your mental space that it takes up. When you have a tenant that's like the only reason that they contact you is because there's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So then now you're dealing with these problems and this you have to solve it. And sure the time frame that it takes doesn't take very long, but like the amount of mental like now it's another to-do list that you're already thinking about other yeah. things. Now you can't think about systems, anything like that. Yeah, and I've realized a lot. In this business owner, you're you're a lot more of a therapist than I ever realized that mm -hmm. that I'd be. Um, so just having, you got to focus on your team. And if I'm focusing on on clients, that's something I can offset because you know I'd I'd go over there and and hear about their their life story and and how hard it is. And you know you want to be sympathetic, but at the same time you got to make sure you're you're doing what you're supposed to do. And I have a hard time not not getting sympathetic. So outsourcing that is definitely something that saves a lot of headspace and time for sure yep. yeah emotional emotional labor can be pretty taxing too i mean mm -hmm. that's that's what you end up getting into more as you get further in business too is like the the person who's doing hard labor nine to five that's physically exhausting you get home you feel spent and you take like a hot bath and you're like i just want to relax for the rest of the night but when all of your work is thinking it a lot of it becomes mental and emotional and so it can be, it's just taxing in a different way like yeah. after a while it's just like man i can't deal with these yeah and that's people. a big thing with like working more hours every week is is just when if you're going to work 80 hours a week um and grind all the time i feel like you're hurting yourself because you're you're really taxing your brain and i think it needs a reset every week um at least uh I always take Sundays off. I don't work on Sundays. Um, but if I'm working, I grinded for a long time when I was doing the W-2 and then trying to flip a home or 
redo a house on the side and I would just get burnt out. And by the end of the day, you're not, you're not looking for new deals. You're not making new connections. And you just realize you've got stuck in this circle of just grinding all the time and not actually making valuable connections or, you know, deals. So that's a big so you, thing. You got married pretty young. How did you, how did you meet your significant other? Cause you oh, said yeah. you didn't well, really we went to high school together. So. You didn't do junior or senior year. Nah, I, we started dating senior year. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, how did you meet her then? Well, I mean, I knew her from, we grew <laughs> up together. So it's, we had a small town, so it wasn't like, I was still around with everybody. Like I played one, sports. So I was she was like one of five day. people or something Yeah, for you to Four. choose from? No. <laughs> it was like a hundred, class of a hundred, I think. We were pretty big. And then it, does your wife stay at home with your Yeah, your so I got a one-year-old boy. She stays home with them. And then we got another uh baby girl doing august so that's exciting good deal but yeah i mean yeah she she doesn't technically work but i mean the amount she does at home and the amount of headspace that she gives me when i get home and not having to worry about anything at the house is pays for more than most jobs so what what would you say uh how would you say that your relationship's going and like do you have any advice for people relationship wise that's for marriage yeah Nah, I mean, I'm pretty young, so I wouldn't say I have any sage advice, but just making sure you're there for them, I would say would be would be definitely some advice and something that I've had to learn. I can't, I've always, gr- I've always worked a ton of hours since I was young, and I had to realize that if I was going to have a family, I had to invest in that family, and I try not to work weekends now and, and spend the evenings with them and make sure that my headspace is actually with them. Uh, because it's hard to get away from the business, but getting rid of that fog of the business and making sure when I'm with them, I'm actually with them and not on my phone. It's just definitely something that I love and, and it helps me every day just to refocus on what's important. So Awesome. Did you set expectations with her? So, you know, you talked about, you know, she takes care of everything at home and then you kind of run the business and everything, which I feel like, you know, very traditional. Did you guys actually have a verbal conversation of like, hey, this is my role, this is your role? Uh, mm, I don't know, Pro- probably a little bit, but I mean, she's been with me since I started investing. So she's she's seen the whole journey um, from when we had nothing to, to getting some properties and from managing those properties to to having more time with her. She's been with the grind with me the whole time, working her job. She worked as like a nurse tech for a while. Um, and then she went to college for three years to be a nurse and actually didn't finish her fourth year because we had the baby and, and she, I needed help at home. So wow. no really verbal agreement, but we just know we know our roles in the family and they work really well and she loves what she does and I love what I do and we just try and try and uh, build a life that we can be together uh, more than most families. I feel like that's a, that's a big thing for me is making sure uh, when the kids get older, uh, I have a lot more time for them than, than I know a lot of parents do. Mm-hmm. Do you have any strategies to like help your wife continue to grow with you? <clears throat> do you think she has any plans to like finish that last year or mm-hmm. do you think that she'll end up regretting it? I don't, think that she'll want to finish the last year because mm-hmm. our goal is to to homeschool and then to basically you know be able to go on trips whenever we want because they won't be in school uh and i can do most of my work mobile uh but we want to create a life where we can do what we want when we want i mean just like most people but 
but her being at home and keeping the household, you know, down and me being out and making sure that we're investing and making sure that we're good for the future, that's going to build something in the future that's going to gonna be really good and we'll be able to be pretty free with, with our time, be able to hang out with family, go on trips, bring family on trips, just all that. It's important to celebrate along the way too. So I guess I'd encourage you guys just to like have one yeah, vac- yeah, yeah. one vacation well, a year yeah. or something That's like something that. I've definitely been trying to do as well. I think we went on like two vacations last year, which I never used to go on two vacations. Nice. And then I, we'll, we'll probably go on like four or five this year, smaller, not like anything big, but definitely taking time and, and doing things with her and the family is big, I think. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your biggest struggle in your business right now? Uh, I'd say biggest struggle. Uh, we're starting to get pretty good on the acquisition side. So bringing on somebody in that role will be big. Um, we got my VAs are pretty good at figuring out the transaction coordinator side. So they're starting to take over that. Um, and then I'm just our main acquisitions side. So definitely bringing on someone there so that I can make sure the business is still growing will be big. I'm letting a lot of leads slide through, slide through my fingers. Um, like I can, I sat on the phone a couple of days ago and we got two deals locked up yesterday, but that's just from like no time even being put into it. So I know if we had somebody full time and it'd definitely scale pretty quick. Do you have any CRMs or uh, any tools or anything Uh, that helps you keep track of the deals? So we've been using Asana a lot, which isn't a great CRM, but I also have Podio. So we're switching to Podio, but Asana has been pretty good for for the lower amount of leads that we're bringing in just because it creates that board and it's pretty good. Uh, but we're going to put it into Podio and start uh, using their CRM a little bit. You need to you need to switch to RE Simply. Yeah, I know, plug, I know. plug right here. Plug right here. RE Simply. <laughs> Don't let your deals fall through the cracks. Don't be like Charlie in this aspect. RE Simply. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't I think it's better than Podio. I mean, Podio supposedly has more things that you can build out and that sort of thing. And there are some bigger CRMs like. You know, Salesforce is the most common one that's also the most expensive. It's like the Mercedes-Benz of CRMs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, RE Simply is everything that you need, and it's specific to real estate. So yeah. I'll you should consider, jump on that. consider getting that one I'll over Podio. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Plug done. Plug over. <laughs> Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before, and honestly, we've tried several different CRMs, and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now! Well, uh, what are, what is your business look like in terms of monthly overhead and expenses? Because you've been scaling more now. Yeah. Are your costs going up too? Because you started doing texting more. You started doing some of these other things. And like, yeah. are you getting stressed out about the amount of money that's going out now? Yeah. Because you're like, we're acquiring more property. And Dakota and I know from very recently that like once you start acquiring too many properties you need a lot more money mm. and you need uh, people who you can sell the properties to dispositions yeah. if you don't have all of the money that you need you have to be able to wholesale them so mm. are you stressing out about the amount of money that's going out now what's your monthly overhead look uh, like our monthly overhead isn't too bad in the construction business it's somewhere around like seven or eight grand and then uh, on the other 
like property side orchard capital it's only like 2500 bucks or something but i'm not paying like myself out of that or anything it's just more going into the company still yeah oh wow and what are you going to is there ever going to be a time when you jump when you burn the ships of being a contractor and decide yeah okay we're <laughs> done with that business yeah. now i'm only doing real estate because you, you yeah. you're still married to it you got the shirt on it yeah, says yeah, columbus yeah. construction company so oh, yeah Hit us up if you're in Columbus. <laughs> Hit us up. We'll fix your house. Uh, I, like I said, I do a lot of bridges. I'm a realtor as well. So figuring out what I spend most of my time on right now uh, is that Orchard Capital Group. Um, but like I said, we can use my construction company for all those rehabs. And we have other investors that, that, that use us. Um, so... I think I have a good pro- project manager in place right now, so making sure that's just stable as it is and then putting most of my time into creating deal flow and setting up systems in Orchard Capital is what I'm, what I'm looking at right now. So, Good deal. Do you uh, have a plan if uh, things start to turn south, like banks start to kind of give out less money and yeah. like the market kind of starts to... Yeah, well, I'm trying to refi too right now, waiting on a couple of things, but... They're definitely getting stricter on a couple of things I've seen, especially with the seasoning period. I was talking to some commercial bank that went like 24 months or 36 months seasoning. What? Yeah. I'm like, is that normal? He's like, normally we're at 24. I'm like, that doesn't seem right either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got to, a bank. I got a bank that'll, sweet. that'll help you. It's Van Wert uh, Savings or something like that. They'll, they'll help go you. in Ohio. Yeah. You got a guy. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They'll be good. But yeah, I mean, if they did like, banks just shut down or something and you couldn't get long-term loans i mean you still have the the deal flow for wholesaling it to other people and and making value better and uh i mean there's definitely different ways to make money in what we're doing whether that's wholesale selling for other people or fixing and flipping we do a lot of so what is your long-term vision what's your long-term dream are you trying to just like ride off into the sunset be completely retired in five years at the ripe age of 20 20 what 27 then yeah no. you're trying to be retired before no, us i don't really see a retirement <laughs> but uh creating a business that that can function without me mm-hmm. and just being able to focus on growing that and connections is what i want to get to so um, there's not like a retirement number that I'm trying to get to. It's just about building out the portfolio, building out the team so that it's more fun. Um, and that would ultimately cause less stress and, and still bring on money. And I, I feel like it's a game once you get to a certain level. Um, and once you build a good business up, you have people in there you like, like what you guys have built. It's just, it's a lot more fun then. And that's what I'm hoping to get to real soon. So more fun is a relative term. I'll it's say true. that it's true. It's a, uh, yeah, I've talked about this on other podcasts before, but it's it's more responsibility, which like kind of like you think you're going to have more time freedom the more people you have, which that's why we were talking, you know, before the show about Ryan Pineda and how he's mm-hmm. able to like seemingly be non in the business at all. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I don't know how he does that because like it's not been my experience all the way. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but it feels like we're like f- really far in it. And yeah. it's like, if we just pulled out, it just doesn't seem like it goes by itself. And like, maybe that's bad management, maybe it's bad leadership, but it seems like it's more responsibility the more people you bring on too. So it is an interesting dilemma. Would you guys just say you're both visionaries or is one of you an integrator? 
I but, think we share that. Yeah. Yeah, we probably. Have I mean, both. I would say you would you would both be visionaries, and and an integrator is what would would help you get to his spot. Because I mean, that's that's what he did, bringing on like Brian Devilla and them. Mm. And I think getting that good integrator is what would really separate like everybody's business. Mine, mine too. I've seen Brian Devilla around the office. He basically <laughs> just walks around and asks everybody if they've got a plan. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> he, he's ultimately responsible for everybody, but he's basically just walking around being like, hey, what's the plan on that? And they're like, I don't have one. He's like, get a plan by Friday. Yeah. Accountability. <laughs> I, that's all you need, I, I want to see your plan. <laughs> that's all you need, I guess. Just. Maybe I need to stop giving so much direction. They're like, well, how do I do it? All right, well, here you go. And then they'll just be like, oh, figure it out. Yeah. But then like, like I, yeah, it might be, it might be a me issue. Cause it is like, maybe it's like, well, here's the way to do it to maximize. And then I'm always looking at the strategy and the way to make the most money, to get the most profit, the best way to structure the deal, which is sometimes subjective, yeah. but it's based on a lot of information too. So it's, yeah, I mean, there's such a leaning point there you can either be too aggressive and be telling them what to do or you can stop telling what to do and think you're you're helping them but then they're not growing at all so there's a really small area i think that i'm not even close to but that keeps the accountability keeps the pressure on but also is like you figure it out Mm -hmm. and get it done and that is kind of funny too because i i'm thinking about how you know somebody came to brian and was like hey how do i do this he'd be like I don't know, man. Uh, go ask, uh, go ask, and he just like points them to like go ask Monty and go ask yeah. Sean yeah. Bob. If you talk to Sean Bob and Monty, they'll. They, I, I don't remember. Well, that's <laughs> Honestly, what, I don't know. I mean, that's what I've been doing a lot too. Of like, whenever they're asking for help, I'm like, "Well, go talk to this person. Go talk to this person." Like, I want to get them to stop asking me and start yeah. figuring it out themselves, and then like amongst the team, they should be able to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess Brian's on to something here. <laughs> Shout out to Brian Davila. He's on to something. Yeah. Who knows? The less how. you know, yep. the more empowered your people will be. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brian Brian knows more than he leads off to. Oh, that's yeah, the for funny, sure. That's the funniest part about Brian. He, he acts as if he doesn't know anything and then like He's like, well, I don't know. What do you think about, like, he asks you, what do you think about this? And then you tell him, he's like, well, I was thinking about this. And it's like way more elaborate. I'm like, that would probably work too. (laughs) Well, is there anything else you want to ask, Charlie, before we get into the the ending questions? Um, What's your net worth? My net worth? (laughs) Does everybody answer that? Uh, Let's come back to it in in a couple years. Uh, yeah, it just crossed a million points. So. You did? Yeah. So I'm at like three, three, some small threes in debt and it's like one million. Let's go, dude. So yeah. you just became a millionaire? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Let's I'm go. That's what? freaking awesome. That was a good question to ask then, right? <laughs> when you hit to a million at 22, that's insane, dude. Yeah, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the title now because Charlie's most resistant to it. It's gonna be like millionaire by, <laughs> <laughs> do millionaire by twenty two. Uh, explain explain to everybody what a millionaire is and he, what you talk oh, about. Oh, that's that. why he doesn't want to refinance because he, he doesn't want to lose his. Yeah, money. he doesn't want to lose his money. No, that's a, that's I don't add on to it. Yeah, it doesn't actually put affect that one it. In. All right, uh, tell everybody what a millionaire is because everybody thinks obviously millionaire means a million dollars in the bank. When you're actually a millionaire, you really understand what a millionaire means. Yeah, I mean, like I said, money. Go over your, like, all right, what do you got that, what's your uh, assets? So it's like 3.2 in debt and then have 
I think it's somewhere around 65 or 66%. Uh, what is that? Loan to value. Loan, to yeah, value. loan to value. So that puts you at like the a million point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's nine pro that's no six properties and 15 or 16 units um right there and those are all long-term rentals um and then obviously you got the two businesses that i haven't really thought about but just in in the rental properties that's what i track mostly and that's where that million dollars is you know what you know what your business is netted well my business nets uh between your two businesses the orchard capital is pretty new, like January. So I don't have a good idea what that is. Um, but the construction company, we did $2 million last year in our first year. And I think it was pr- pretty small. It was like 20%, 25%. Mm. That's exciting. Yeah. And, and usually, you know, it depends on if somebody believes that they could just purchase your business and and make it better immediately because most people aren't going to buy a business unless they see like some things that they could improve Mm -hmm. but for folks who buy businesses you know typically they want to want a 10 cap or better so if you take that you know two million if you say you could produce that consistently next year and like the year after that Mm -hmm. you could take that number and then just uh on a 10 cap like that's a 20 million dollar valuation on your yeah. companies yeah so. don't they go off net though would they go off net or i think they go on gross. gross oh really the, i, I, I don't think know. they go after i mean like big net. companies who said, buy i thought, I thought he, he said, said two he million made, net no he said he, no, he, he no, said 20 no. percent profit off of two million oh, so okay. he's yeah. meant somewhere so around four so four million dollar business yeah yep on a 10 cap yeah but i like looking at real estate as a business and that I like real estate more, but definitely growing a business is something people are starting to do a lot. And I think there's a lot of ways to make a lot of money there. Yeah. Um, but I just have a passion for real estate. So I like growing that and thinking as each building is its own business and what it returns. Do you have any interest in, uh, in getting into influence, like being more of a social media influencer and like, are you going to start your own uh, podcast now that you've been on this one? I probably you... won't start a podcast. <laughs> Not a yeah, I need to work on my social media. Probably won't be an influencer, but I think it's a great way for people to learn about who you are and and what you do. Uh, so definitely trying to grow my social media in that way. I'm not gonna probably won't be an influencer, but I think that's definitely how people look. It's not a, that's your new business card. So making sure you have something on there and making sure it, it shows off what who you actually are is is a big thing. I I get caught up with a lot of people that are social media influencers per se and, and are who they say they are. So Yeah, you just got to do it for that. clout, man. You used to be yeah. like, yo, this is the shy dog. What's up? Like, yeah. <laughs> or, or when you say you met people, uh, what do you mean by that? Like you met them and then like you thought they were a certain way and then they just, turned out. Yeah, I mean, events, a lot of people, you know, act like they're doing a lot more in the space and then you get meet them and they're not doing anything and that's so they fun. got all these issues and you're just like, oh. That's awesome. I'm glad you said that because, yeah, we have somebody else that does that and it bothers the crap out of me. And I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't bother me, but I feel like you're giving off a fake portrayal of who you actually are. And I think that's what ruins social media for everyone. Yeah. I don't really like social media for that that thing. If everybody was who they actually are, that'd be cool. But I feel like most of them are, are not who they say yeah. they are. That's what I always uh, told Andrew as well. Is like, dude, here's what I can tell you. Like, uh, Andrew is funny. So Andrew's our acquisitions guy. He was 19 years old when he started. He thought we were millionaires when we started. I'm like, bro, yeah. we're not millionaires. Uh, and we never said we were. Like, we wouldn't even say that we were yeah. close or anything like that. 
Um, and then uh, I told him everything that we say on social media is like is accurate is the information that we have. Like, it, you know, if we're off, yeah. it's because we typed something in wrong or something like that. But like, we will only give accurate information. Like, even uh, I feel like even Grant Cardone kind of like like yeah. swings it in a way that like he's still he's not lying, <laughs> but he's saying it in a way yeah. that makes it sound better than what it actually is. Grant Cardone's a beast. Yeah, but, but yeah, sure. I mean, there's a there's a medium between you know showing people who you want to be and that's how you grow mm-hmm. and then then there's another thing about you know making out numbers and and like saying you're some millionaire yeah, when you're like, not yeah. <laughs> when you got three million in debt and you only have like a hundred grand in equity you're like okay like, who yeah. else who else do you know that has 20 billion dollar por- <laughs> portfolio it's like yeah he doesn't even own all of that 20 billion dollar portfolio you know yep so what do you, you don't you don't agree with uh, the fake it till you make it? I think there's that medium in it. I think you can, if you're actually striving to be that way, then then yeah, it's cool. But I mean, make sure that everything you're saying is accurate and yeah, you're not deceiving people on mm-hmm. what you're doing. That, I think that's the most difficult part about it and why I think people like you need to get into it more is because like we need more real people who yeah. are actually going to tell the numbers because that's the funny thing too is it. When you get to a certain level as well, like with with you, with uh, Ryan Pineda, with us, whenever we share the numbers, people think that we're sharing to brag. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, we're sharing to educate you guys to actually let you know the legitimacy of this, that it's possible for you. And all these other people who are saying this stuff that you think are doing these big things that are acting like they're doing big things that kind of turn the the frame in order to make sure that it looks like they're this big deal Mm -hmm. they're not actually like they're not actually netting that much and so i think people like you could go out there and actually help these people like okay here's how it actually works here's how much i actually made here's what you are actually capable of if you choose to do it here's how i did it yeah yeah no i think that's really important but definitely i like you said i do uh, my mindset's poor but i think about what people think of me as i'm if I was breaking down numbers on on the investments that I have, just even if they weren't good, I just feel like people don't who don't have that mindset are like, oh, he's just being cocky and, yep. and saying this when you're actually trying to show them there's a different way uh, and that they don't have to be unhappy and stuck in a job. Alex Ramosi just explained a concept <laughs> not too long ago, and I think it's something that you do a lot, Dakota, where, uh, you know, the thing used to be to say, this is how you can make X, Y, Z. And instead he's more like, okay, so this is how I recently did this thing. Mm-hmm. And so then he breaks it down like that. I mean, Alex Ramosi's always sounds more convincing because he's like, okay, this is how I sold two companies for a total of a hundred million dollars before the age of 29. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That's how his starts. But he's always giving examples of things that he's done and how he's seen it you know, manifest and results in his physical health or his yeah. business and things like that. Yeah, I'd that. say he's bringing it back in a good way, but I think there was a time there that everybody was showing, you know, fake cars and fake buildings and, and that ruined it for a, a lot of people. But I think it's on the, I think it's back up. Social media will be good soon. And I think like Dakota said, more more normal people need to get out there and actually show what their true selves and what they're doing. I heard, an, uh, oh, yeah, there was another thing you shared too, where he was like, yeah, you can, you can either... Like you have two options. You can either uh, show everybody that you're doing well by like buying all of the cars and buying all of the houses and going on all the vacations and posting all over social media, or you can control your time and have a lot more freedom and you can brag about that. But yeah. like you can't do both 
and build a company. Like you can have all of the cars and all of the yeah. The biggest local guys that I know, none of them have social media, which is one thing where I'm like, ah, I guess I don't need a social media. But it would help you if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But it's funny because the, the guys you, that everybody thinks is doing big stuff, they're not doing anything compared to people, like a few people that I know that, that don't have a social media and aren't showing what they're doing. But Here's the question. Yeah. Would they be doing more if yeah, no, they did? They sh- so that's, sure would. That's, that's the thing yeah. where like more normal people need to be doing it and showing what they're actually doing because they could do way more if, if yep. they were showing it. But the people who aren't doing it and are just lying are, are giving everybody a bad rap. Yeah, you, so there's a, uh, a seminar that we went to that actually helped us a lot with that belief that, that I think that a lot of people struggle with mm-hmm. uh, that it sounds like you may struggle with of like, man, I want to help people, but I'm also scared of other people judging me. Um, and so this seminar, I don't know if Tony's talked about it at all. I'm sure he has, PSI. But it's a uh, size seminar is basically you just go through um, just different social experiments to, to teach you more about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then they just help you with different concepts and stuff. I would highly recommend that you go to that if you can. It's a game changer. You talk about education. This is educating you on how you are as a person, your limiting beliefs, your different habits, all of that stuff. What you do and how you can, I mean, uh, our friend Jimmy always says the, um, what is it, the, the, like uh, you basically have to be aware of the problem before you oh, can ever awareness change before change. It. Yes, ABCs. awareness before change. So you have to have awareness before change. What this does is makes you aware of like what you're not even aware of now, and then you can actually change it if you choose to. So if you can come to that, that'd be awesome. And then the, the second one, which is size seven, that'd be the one that I think would be a game changer for you, man. Like you're a millionaire now. You will be. You're already going to be a multi-millionaire soon. This will this will change your trajectory from like here to here. Like mm-hmm. it, it'll be a game changer for you if you can. If you can change the mindset of like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to help people regardless of how many people think that I'm out there to brag or whatever, mm-hmm. it'll be, I, I I just know it'll be a game changer for you. So if you can make that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I'll tell. Where's it at? There's going right to be here. one in Fort Wayne. Yep. So I we th- bring it. I think I've told you about it or I've mentioned it before as like some of the things that we use to train the folks around here, like yeah. every, uh, the majority of people who work for us have been through it. And uh, it's just like, it's massive awareness, sort of like the red pill in the matrix where like after you see some stuff about yourself, you can never unsee it, but it's a really positive thing too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, So it's July 28th, 29th and 30th. Mm -hmm. I saw Tony write it down. It's like 600 (laughs) bucks. Yeah. That one's 600. That is the best bang for your buck. The next one's a little bit more expensive, but that one's even more bang for your buck and will last you a lifetime. So it's Mm -hmm. better to get to it. Like, dude, if you can get there now and then like, I'm telling you, it'll it'll change the trajectory of your life. Like it's, in my opinion, it's basically guaranteed and it is guaranteed because if you, if it doesn't, then you get your money back. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a seminar that Tony and I went to in Canada four years ago and it like impacted our life so much. It's like, all right, we got to bring this to Fort Wayne. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I'll definitely have to do it. Yeah, that'd All right. be awesome. Last question. Uh, Ed Milas asked this one before, so if you mentioned Ed Milas podcast, you know, it's a, it's your legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? So uh, you're on your deathbed. You have one final message to the world, a sentence, a paragraph, something that means something to you. It could be on a billboard. It could be uh, a book. be like the, the title of your book, and it's a hmm. message that is unique that says that when people look at it, they're like, Oh yeah, that was Charlie Scheider for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a deep one for sure. <laughs> um, so a legacy or something on a billboard, um, final message to the world. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say from, I don't know what everybody is, but I'm a Christian. So I would definitely 
make sure that that you're ready for you know wherever you're going in eternity uh, make sure you're the right choice there um, but uh, for everyone in this world living life I would just make sure that you're spending your time with the people that you love and uh, just making sure that you know you value your time and that you're not wasting time working at a job or spending time with people who don't care about you and just you know, spend time with the family. That's a really big part of my life and, and with your f- friends and family and make sure that the relationships closest to you are the ones you're working on because you have the most influence on them. So, yeah. Awesome. So if anybody's in the Columbus, Ohio area, they want some construction done, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, you can email me, go on my Instagram at Charlie Scheider. Uh, that has a couple of links to our websites, has all our contact info. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. So, Instagram? Yeah. yeah, Instagram. Good. Columbus Construction Company. And then what about uh, if somebody wants to sell their house? Those yeah, sorts yeah. Of things. I'm a broker for, or I'm an agent for Roby Realty. So uh, that's on, and that link to that is on my Instagram as well. But yeah, I mostly work with uh, investors, out of state investors or home buyers. I think we've done like 29 transactions in the past couple of years. So. Been, awesome. yeah, like seven million. So, any final thoughts you want to share with our viewers? No, just yeah, let me know if you're in Columbus or if you want to do deals. Sounds good. Well, Thanks I, for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, if you guys are not following this guy, you definitely need to be because it's pretty obvious to me that you're going to be a multi millionaire here soon, and it'll be exciting to see your journey, especially if you go to the size seven thing and you start sharing some information. I think that I think that people can gain a lot of value from somebody with so much wisdom for so young too, you know, like the mindset that I think that you have, I don't think that everybody realized that. So follow this guy. We'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.